You say the game is getting old Monday morning and your coffee's cold Life is not what you want it to be Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction My name is Jay Izzo and oh We have got a great show for you <laughs> You know what, I'm going to tell you something uh, Have you ever woke up in the morning and went I really don't want to go to work today <laughs> And then Maybe it's like you kind of get to work and you kind of go, it's the same thing. It's the same drive. It's the same thing. Maybe you punch the clock. Maybe you don't. And, but you sit down at the same desk every day and it's the same thing every day. You look at your emails and everything looks the same. You never catch up and everybody brings you a problem. There's another fire here. There's another fire there. You go and you do this for eight hours of your day, maybe even longer. You come home at the end of your day and <laughs> maybe you have a family. And you walk in the door and you kind of go, who are they? And yet you're too exhausted to do anything with your family. Your life is turned into a rut. We're going to help you beat that today. My guest today is going to be Jerry Dugan. And uh, he wrote this outstanding book. It's called Beyond the Rut. Uh, create a life worth living in your faith, family, and career. Folks, this is an airplane read. So when you got a short little airplane ride trip, this is a read that you want to read. I'm going to tell you it's going to challenge you. It's going to open up your mind. And if you are in a growth mindset, and you know we talk about that a lot here on the show, uh, this is going to be something for you. I promise for every one of you, it doesn't matter who it is, um, because we want to help you get out of the rut. And, and Jerry is a professional at this. Before we get to him, let's do what we do every week. Folks, we are four-part people. We are physical, mental, emotional, spiritual people. And if we're not working on ourselves every single day, you know what? We're not growing, we're dying. That's actually the name of a chapter in his book right here called Beyond the Rut, believe it or not. And here's the deal. Uh, we do this thing on the show every week where I have you check in and you evaluate yourself on a scale of one to 10 in each one of these areas, one being miserable, 10 being, I couldn't get any better. So here's an example. So for the physical, on a scale of one to 10, how did you evaluate yourself getting enough exercise, uh, getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, eating right, five being average, what would you say you're at? Now, listen, whatever your number is, don't panic. All right. That's your starting point. All right. So if you're a two, all right, don't, don't get down on yourself. That's not going to do you any good. But what can you change right now to go from a 2 to a 2.5, right? And if you're a 7 or an 8, something up in that number, listen, it gets a little harder because you're doing a lot of the right things. But what can you tweak that can maybe get you to a 7.25 or an 8.25, okay? All right, so that's your first number. Second number is your mental intellectual number, right? And here's the thing. Uh, you can sit on your couch and watch all the news that you want. The truth of the matter is, that's a couch potato. You do not absorb information. The fact of the matter is we need to be an active participant in our intellectual and mental growth and wisdom and knowledge and understanding of what we do and how we do it and, and our career and our families and our relationships and all those things. And, and we've got two halves of the brain. The right brain's creative. Left brain is more logical. And we need to be exercising both of those halves. There's so many ways to do that. A great way to do that is to read a book. But there's another way to do that too. You know, I mean, you could take up a, an, an instrument, you can learn a foreign language. There's just things that you could do to grow your mind. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you say you're doing your mental intellectual growth? The third area, right, is the emotional. And I make it really simple here. Look, I'm a psychological professional, right? But I'm going to make it really, really simple, emotional growth. And here it is. One, how, are you, how well are you able to control your emotions under stress and pressure? You know, like when you're hangry, right? Can you stop that? Because you're in control of your emotions, by the way. 
Regardless of what happens around you, you're in control of your emotions. That's the first part. Second part is how well are you able to tap into and understand the emotions of others? Can I tell you something? If you're in the rut, that second piece is harder. Matter of fact, both pieces are hard. But that second piece of being able to tap into and understand the emotions of other people and be empathetic, that can start to wane on you. So what number would you give yourself there? And then finally, the fourth area is spiritual area. And look, here's the deal. We're all spiritual people. You move the physical, the mental, the emotional, what do you got left? We're spiritual people. The fact of the matter is we live every day by faith. You put your key in the car, you turn it, or you push the button and you push it and you know what? You believe it's going to turn on. You drank your cup of coffee this morning. It wasn't poisonous because you believed it wasn't. It's faith, right? We walk by faith every, t- every time we walk outside, walk out the door, walk by faith. The other thing is, though, you know what? We are spiritual beings because the, the truth of the matter is there's something inside us that we connect with, like sometimes it's music or other things and, and people that we can't explain because science can't explain everything, right? And it shouldn't, right? And I got a science degree too, by the way, and all that. And it doesn't. But what brings you back to a sense of peace, a sense of centeredness in the midst of chaos in your world? Is it God? Is it nature? Is it meditation? Is it something else? And then the question you have to ask is, is it working for you? So on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your spiritual area? Those four areas are like the air in the tires of your car. Truth of the matter is, right? If one of your tires is low, what happens? The car veers. It doesn't work right. It's harder to control. It's harder to do the things that you needed to do. And at the same time, what happens is, you know, if all four tires are low, then what happens is you eventually ruin the car if you don't get the air right. Well, speaking of somebody who's got his air and his tires all the right level, his name is Jerry Duggan. He, he is a TEDx speaker, consultant, author, podcaster of Beyond the Rut, which you can find at, at it's beyondtherut.com is where you can find a lot of his information. Uh, Jerry grew up as an army brat, B-R-A-T, living in the parts of the United States, Germany, Japan. Uh, he served in the U.S. Army as a combat medic. He worked as a corporate, and thank you. Uh, Jerry, for serving, uh, worked as a corporate educator and been in business for himself. He's currently the executive producer and co-host of Beyond the Rut, a weekly podcast show about inspiring and equipping listeners to listen, live the life they've always dreamed of. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show and welcome to the first time to A New Direction, Jerry Duggan. Jerry, welcome to the show. Coach Jay, thanks for having me on here. I'm excited and I'm impressed. You say that live every single episode. Shows uh, <laughs> like prepared by listening to the show not watching it now that i'm here live i'm like he says that every that's not just like a clip you pop in that is you yeah it's me yeah i do it live every week i do it like sometimes i'm my wife says to me occasionally she'll say something like you got to change it up come up with something different right so i'll say well would you got something and she'll say here how about this okay i'll try it right she gave me the couch potato thing right right yeah so she gives me my, my wife is a genius okay first of all the, I, I always say to people, the the only shortcoming that my wife has is that she had a weak moment in marrying me. That's <laughs> the, only, the only weakness that she had. Uh, this book is outstanding, Beyond the Rut. I really enjoyed reading it. It is an airplane read. It's not a long read, but it is really filled with a lot of, uh, a lot of really powerful information because I know, and you know, because you do the show, uh, there's a lot of people out there who are in a rut. Mm-hmm. And you start with the story of AJ and you meet AJ and he's going through the motions in life. He's checking all the boxes that he's told to achieve, but life feels meaningless. 
what looked like, here's what you say, what looked like financial freedom and bliss was actually a job jail for him bound by golden handcuffs. Boy, that sounds like a lot of people I know. And it sounds like a lot of people you know too. Yeah. It, it was even me at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Dragging himself out of bed to go to work was a challenge, right? And so this run clearly rang a bell with you. And you decided to talk about the rut. And you have an acronym or a cross stick for rut. Tell us what rut means uh, when you yeah. talk about rut. So R-U-T, uh, when you recognize that you are stuck in a rut in your life, how do you get out of there? What's that three-phase process you go through? And uh, the R stands for recognize. So taking that time to reflect and recognize what is it that I'm stuck in? You know, for me recently, it was realizing that I was in a toxic work environment that no matter what I did to make life great for my team and put great work out there, uh, I had some toxic leadership above me that uh, my wife saw it, that the moment it was time for me to shift gears and walk the three blocks down to the office uh, because I, I don't like commutes. So <laughs> I, I make sure that we live close to wherever I work. Uh, now I work from home, so it's even shorter. Uh, but anyway, uh, recognizing that rut, you know, for me, it was in a career, uh, but it was recognizing that that career was putting an impact on my family life and my own physical and, and uh, emotional health. Uh, so that is step one, recognize that you're in a rut and then recognize what exactly is that rut? Like, what's that one thing that's troubling you? You might recognize all the symptoms, but then what's that one thing that if you took care of that, it would alleviate all the other symptoms that you see. That leads you into the you. Uh, understand where it is you want to go because now you know what you have to remove from your life. What are you going to do in its place to replace whatever habit or process or experience is going on uh, so that you can do that new thing and not live up to like what Einstein said was insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And actually, I don't think it was I even saying in my book, it isn't Einstein who said that. No, yeah, somebody else said it, and here I am. I still say it wrong now in the moment. Uh, talk about branding, somebody did that right. Um, uh, but understand where you want to go. Yeah, you know, what is it that you want to have your life look like? And I talk about the five F's, uh, and then T is the part a lot of people stop at, and that's uh, take action to get there and committed action specifically. So what is it you're going to do every single day to make sure you don't fall back into your rut, that you make and build momentum into this new direction that you've uh, created for yourself? So that's the rut, R-U-T. So I, I often tell folks, you got to know your rut to get out of and live beyond your rut. So that, you know, know your rut is the R-U-T and then getting out of the actual rut and living beyond that. So we don't want you to just say, yeah, I made it out of here. It's like, great. How do you make sure you don't fall into another rut very quickly and, right. and keep pushing yourself to be better than you were the day before? I, 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 I love that. By the way, it was Rita Mae Brown. Yes. There we go. It doesn't, it's not as easy to remember as Einstein. <laughs> well, That's it's why. It's because we've been, we've been told that it's been Einstein since we've been, you know, like yes. little. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the great things of having a professional editor was she's the one who, um, for a, quite a few things in the book that I referenced, she would just simply ask, hey, what's the source for that information? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's right. Wait a sec. It's wait. Right, right, right. Oh, 
where did that come from? And that's, yeah, Rita Brown instead of Einstein for that one. And then the, the thing around goals, like uh, you hear about this famous goal study done at, I think, Yale, right. uh, where they followed a group of MBA graduates for 20, 30 years. And it was like three groups, people who had written goals, people who had verbal goals, and people who had no goals at all. And so they, they use the people with no goals as like the baseline. Uh, the people with verbal goals, I guess, earn twice as much on average as the people who had no goals. And then, of course, the 3% who had written goals down, apparently they collectively earned more than 10 times of everybody else collectively. And right. you're like, oh, wow, I need to have written goals. It's the thing that got me inspired to have goals written down since I was a kid. And then as I'm writing this book, uh, my editor just politely said, hey, where's the source for that study? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's right. Uh, hold on a sec. Uh, and then I find out that never actually happened. Even <laughs> Yale University's library says in, in their website, this study, we can't find it. So if you find it, please let us know. We'll put it in our archives. And, you know, it's been there for years. No one's come forward and said, hey, here's the study. Uh, but fortunately, somebody named Gail Matthews got there first and she was like hey where is this study okay right. well then we need some data to back this so she started right. doing some research around goals and she found that there were four ingredients that help people achieve uh, their goals more than uh, those who don't have goals at all and it was um so the four ingredients were that you have goals that, and that they're written down you know if you like to use the smart format great if you put them in present tense great uh, if you want to put it in terms of like the future whatever format as long as it's written down was like the top ingredient uh the second one was that it had a committed action to it so i'm going to do this every day or every week or every month uh and then the third thing was you told somebody about it you know right. somebody you love somebody you trust a coach uh and and then the fourth ingredient was you gave somebody a regular update didn't matter if the person cared or not they were getting the update from you there was accountability by you telling like your your partner your spouse um your your coach your manager hey this is what i did this week towards my goal uh, and if they just nod politely and say hey that's great that's great then that that's enough apparently uh, but if you had a coach that also asked you questions like, so what do you think went well? What do you think you're going to do differently this week? What are you going to up that, that ups the game for that fourth ingredient. So it was really neat. All that just from, yeah, Einstein didn't say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's all good. We're, we're all good about that. So let's, right. let's, let's move into part one, chapter two entitled, what is the rut? And he, there's something that you said here that just caught my eye. And it's here's some of the lies that we tell ourselves that keep us stuck stuck in the rut. And I want to, I want you to talk about them. Line number one, I'm not good enough or not worthy. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that lie. What does that look like? And, and then what, what's some of the, what's, how do we kind of combat that? Yeah. Um, I, I run into this one all the time myself. In fact, while writing this book, that was coming up as well. It's like, who am I to write a book? Uh, Sometimes we hear it from external sources. You know, I, I know growing up, my extended family would say things to me like, why read a book? A book is never going to get you a job. Uh, why bother getting smart and getting good grades? You're not going to get into college. Like they were the ones telling me this. And of course, I had to prove them wrong. So that, that works. You know, spite sometimes is a good driver. <laughs> um, 
But then at some point you condition yourself to also believe these things. And that imposter syndrome, as I've heard it called, starts to creep in and you start to talk yourself out of things before they ever even happen. Right. And so it could be, I'm not good enough to go for that promotion, or I am not smart enough to work with all these people, or I don't know everything there is to know about writing a book. And the reality is neither did I, uh, all I could write about was what I knew. And as you've already heard in this uh, conversation, I had to learn some things while writing the book because apparently right. what right. I knew was not correct or not accurate. And, uh, so that I think would be the first thing is recognizing that we might be talking ourselves out of something before we even gave it a shot. Um, a friend of mine, Brian uh, Crum, uh, who's a, a, a hospice chaplain, who's also a, uh, a healthcare administrator, shared with me that uh, one of the things that stood out to him when he's at the bedside of people who are passing away and in their final moments was that that wish that they had a little bit more time to do the things they wanted to do in life. And, you know, it's that would have, could have, should have kind of moment. Uh, and none of it is really around, man, I wish I checked eight more emails this week. Right, or, right, right. <laughs> uh, I wish I stayed late after work all the time. Like the more important things to them, the things that like, if I could do one more thing, this is what it would be. Uh, and, and pointing that out. But um, also with that, all that potential that they had to make a difference, to, to boost their career, to boost their time with their family, uh, to boost their impact with their kids or grandkids, uh, you know, just removing the knots. And that was the thing he told me was it, we got to remove the knots from our conversations with ourselves and with other people. Uh, so when somebody says, I'm not smart enough, take the knot out. I am smart enough. Uh, right. I'm not gifted enough or talented enough. You know, remove those knots. I am gifted enough. I am talented enough. Uh, you know, I, whatever the knot is, take the knot out of there, speak that into yourself and then start thinking about and determining what are the things I need to do to get to where I really want to go. Um, you know, I, gosh, when I was in the army, I don't know if uh, I shared this in the book. I think I did. I, I was in a Deadpool. I didn't know I was in it, uh, but basic training. Uh, we're on day zero, which is where you get off the bus. The drill sergeants are yelling at you. You get in line, you do lots and lots of pushups until somebody throws up. Um, and I remember we we're in the barracks, lined up like on full metal jacket. And I didn't realize this until later, but our drill sergeant was quoting the movie full metal jacket. Uh, but <laughs> something, he, <laughs> something he had said though, was that, you know, welcome to Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Uh, every year somebody dies here of, of heat stroke. It's already June. Nobody has died yet. One of you is going to die during the next nine weeks. And everybody looked at me and I thought they were looking at the guy next to me. So I looked to my left as well. And, <laughs> uh, so I thought, oh, that poor guy, he looks like he's not going to make it. Um, what I didn't know until later on, like eight weeks later, was that they were all looking at me. And almost immediately, the next break we had, they started a betting pool. And it was like, not so much like who's going to die and how, but more specifically, how is Dugan going to die <laughs> when and how? <laughs> and, uh, and they, they threw money in and all throughout the cycle, just at random, I'd hear like F you Dugan or Hey, screw you, man. And like, just out of nowhere, just cuss me out. And, and I realized at the end, when somebody confessed to me, we were cleaning the barracks, like in Forrest Gump, like we're, we're cleaning and it's just the two of us in the Bay. And he says, Hey, I just want to let you know, Dugan, I, I really admire you. And I was like, mm. huh? 
okay, that, that that's cool, man. Let's get back to cleaning. And he's like, no, seriously, I really admire you and your tenacity. And I just want to say, I'm sorry. I'm like for what? And he said, well, I, I bet against you. It's like, mm. well, I mean, if you lost money, then that's okay. I think that's punishment enough. He said, well, a lot of people bet against you. <laughs> and I was like, what? And, and so he goes on to tell me, yeah, we had a betting pool. Remember that first day? And then he tells me, yeah, uh, I don't know who the guy is, but there's somebody out there who owes me a cut of the pool of money he got to walk away with because I, I clearly didn't die in those nine weeks. Um, but I never doubted I was going to you know, make it through basic training. Uh, but other people do bet against you. And I'm sure I had a moral behind that story, but I, it, it well, just... I think, I think it goes back to, you know, I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy. Yeah. I, think, I think what we don't understand is that words are powerful. And that includes the words that we say to ourselves. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think oftentimes we kind of poo-poo it and go, oh, well, they're just words. Well, I, I don't know if you, anybody's done any work uh, listening or you have done work on labeling theory. But if you label something long enough and you have that attention or you have that power over yourself or whoever, you put that label on yourself long enough, you become the, whatever you label. Yeah. And, and there's danger in that. And that's why, you know, often even with my clients, I'm sure you do the same thing with yours, you know, whoa, 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 we got to change. You know, you talk about removing the knots. I, I always say, well, add the word yet, you know, you know, well, I don't know how to do this yet. I don't, I don't know that I'm good enough yet. You know, you just, you know, because there's just more to learn. And I think that's, you know, whatever it is, removing the knots or adding yet, you know, it's getting rid of that lie in your head. I think is just so incredibly important. The second lie you have is I don't have enough time. Talk about that. Oh man. Yeah. You make time for whatever's most important to you. Uh, I would catch myself in this. I still catch myself in this. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm working with a friend of mine who's helping me remember and realize and recognize the time I do have for my own physical fitness that, uh, you know, if I've tacked on some weight, since you know for the past couple of years and it's like oh wow when did i get here it's like well gradually then suddenly jerry uh, <laughs> <laughs> like you gradually got there and you just suddenly realized you've been there the whole time uh so he's helping me realize you know what is it i do in the morning i'm like well i i get up early well what do you do during that time it's like well i pull open my phone and i start scrolling through social media right. all the things i tell other people not to do and it's like when did i start doing that and so now we're replacing that habit with go for a 30 minute walk uh, and I'm like, oh man. Uh, so you do make time for the things that are important to you. And if you're not intentionally doing it, you'll just go on autopilot and fill your time with things that are just going to hit you with the dopamine hits. Um, you know, like our phones, I think on average, we check our phones every six minutes, which gives you a sense of how addicted we are to that dopamine hit. Uh, oh, yeah. It's just a little thing. It's just, you know, the moment I powered on, it's like, wow, I did a thing and I made a thing happen, which was my phone come on. <laughs> and then I hit an app and the app opens and it's like, wow, I got another hit. Uh, and if you don't believe me, wait till an app doesn't open up right away. And then you're mad. You're like, what the heck? I hit it. And right. then you just start like really slamming your thumb on that screen. Like it's going to change things. Um, and some of you just rage quit and throw your phones and then you have to go get a new phone. But uh, that's not me. <laughs> They're too expensive. Uh, but you know, make the time and the time is there. Uh, if you really did a time on it, you would see how much time is spent on your phone versus um, on TV. And those things are fine. I, you know, watch TV and 
you know, I'm on my phone, even though I'm aware of the time that goes into it. Uh, but if you just want to carve out, you know, five minutes to start reading, you know, then carve out the five minutes, you've got it there. You just set a timer, do it. And you realize, wow, I do have the time. And then you just start carving a little bit more out, a little bit more out. And then as you build that habit, you're like, that's where my time is intentionally spent versus not just automatically in that rut, wasting that time away. So yeah, we do have the time. You can make the time. Uh, You just got to trade out something else that's not productive. His name is Jerry Dugan. The book is entitled Beyond the Rut, uh, Create a Life Worth Living in Your Faith, Family, and Career. You're listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, whether you're recovering from injury, surgery, uh, suffering everyday aches and pains, maybe you're having just difficulty performing uh, just normal activities of daily life, you know, or maybe you're a professional athlete. Listen, here's what I can tell you. The elite team at Epic Physical Therapy will provide you with a customized treatment plan that is just for you right? And your individual needs. So when you're ready for your epic relief, your epic recovery, your epic results, don't look any further. Go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors for more than 38 years. They have been ha- helping people transition in life. And you go, hold it here. They're a real estate company. How do they help people transition in life? Well, think about every place that you've ever lived in your life has been a transition in life, hasn't it? Right? Well, they know after working with thousands of people, they know how to take this stress out of that transition. They would love to help you. So whether you're selling your home or buying your next home or your first home, stop by Linda Craft Team Realtors. That's lindacraft.com. It's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here on A New Direction uh, with my friend Jerry Dugan. Uh, his book, Beyond the Rut, Create a Life Worth Living in Your Family, Your Faith, Family, and Career. Uh, Jerry, third lie uh, that you put down is, I can't afford my dream. Talk to us about that. Oh, man. That one is very similar to time. You know, uh, you have, and I got this one from my pastor, uh, previous church I li- went to when I lived in a different town. And he had said, essentially, you have the resources you need right now to take the next step. So you may not have the resources to complete an entire degree. You may not have the resources to make an entire move. Um, You may not have the resources to just outright buy a new vehicle to get you to and from where you need to go. But you have just enough to take the next step. Maybe it's to buy a book. Maybe it's to, if you want to start a podcast and help use a podcast to reinforce the reading you're doing, which Coach Jay and myself do. He reads a book a week. I actually do the same thing. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) and then you have the author come on and you have a conversation with them and it reinforces the concepts even deeper. Uh, So it's uh, modeling with technology in a sense that you're, you're creating a new thing out of the information you've got. Anyway, I just had to geek out right there. That's, um, that's cool. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but it is, you know, find the resources you have. And I remember when my pastor said this, I was thinking through, what are the things I need to do? I want to earn a master's degree, for example. I don't have the money for that. And, and I'm barely making it as a real estate agent. So how do I get the income needed to support my family and pursue a degree And then that's when the pastor said it up there on stage as if he was in my head. And he's like, and you already have the resources you need to take the next step. And as soon as he said that, it hit me. I have an entire Montgomery GI Bill or GI Bill that I was not touching at all. And it had been a number of years since I'd left the army. And I just started 
I'm supposed to be taking notes because I'm converting the sermon into a small group study for him. But at the same time, I'm like taking these side notes, doing the math, like, okay, if I cash in on my GI benefit, it's this much per month, which is this benefit to us, which will cover the bills. And I get to go to school. Holy moly, I've got what I need to take the next step. And, and sure enough, I did. And within a year and a half, had my master's in educational technology, which led to the next promotion, which led to the next one. And you fast forward uh, 11 years later, and I was working as a director of an organizational development company, earning a six-figure income. It was probably the furthest anybody in my family had really gone as far as their career, all because I recognized I could afford to pursue my dream because it was a resource right there in front of me. Now, in that case, it's the GI Bill. Not everybody has that. Uh, for others, it might be something you're wasting your money on. Uh, there are other times in our lives where we need to free up. This is actually pretty recently. We were thinking through, do we rent our house out or do we sell it? And if we rented the house out, it would give us, I think, a cash flow of $200 a month. And then we realized if we sell the house, pay off all our debt, uh, we'll free up. I think it was like $1,600 a month or 1500. It's like a fishing story. It's always a bigger number every time I tell it, but I think realistically it, it was $1,500 a month and I'm like, okay, and we'll have money left over to reinvest when that time comes. Uh, and so we wound up selling the house. We paid off all our consumer debt, no car loans. Uh, and it, I'll tell you it, that was so liberating that I didn't know I needed this, but a year later, I'd wind up leaving my job without any concern that my savings would get me. Uh, I think if we stretched it out nine months easily, uh, if we really stretched out like beans and rice, we could go a year. And it was like, I'd never had that in my life. And that was possible because we freed up $1,500 a month. Uh, and, and so we were able to put more money away for savings. Um, and then when I left my job, we didn't have as many bills to pay. We didn't have any of that pressure. We didn't have debtors calling us, all those good things. Uh, so all that to say, yes, there is a way. You just got to take the time to look at the numbers, see where you're wasting money, see where you can skimp, see where you can bring in some extra revenue. Um, and, you know, as legally as possible, you know, <laughs> preferably. Sure. Well, opportunity, opportunity is everywhere. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the truth. And you know, you and I both talk about this a lot, and that is when you are using your natural God-given gifts, talents, and abilities, and maybe you aren't making as much money, but you are living in your groove. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. You know, because if we're doing, if we're doing those things, then we're living in a groove, and, and, you know, you're building it. And you're building something as you go along. And uh, there's there's a peace about it that's just unexplainable. Because you feel at peace and at rest about what you're doing. You know that you're doing the right thing. You know that maybe you're not making the income that you want to make, but you know that you're you're moving in that right direction. And I think that's part of getting out of that rut, too, is understanding that, you know, you know, do you really know? what your natural God-given gifts, talents, abilities, or have you, have you really bought into what you talk about the two truths about the rut you're traveling? And that first truth is you've bought into the first truth that is that we're conditioned to stay in the rut. Yeah. Right. I, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Because we have been conditioned. 
Yeah, that goes back to that original thing where uh, we have that imposter syndrome. And, and over time, we've believed these lies that we're not good enough, not smart enough. This is your place. This is your lot in life. And I, I think that's the section where I talk about that that circus elephant that, you know, when it's a baby elephant, um, you know, the, the circus folks, they put a rope around its ankle and they stake that elephant into the ground, not the elephant physically, but the, the rope is staked into the ground. Uh, and the elephant has a hard time getting away. It's like, wow, this is deep and I can't get away. Uh, but eventually that elephant grows to a very big size and it has more than enough power to, even if they staked the stake into the ground, uh, that elephant could easily just pull the stake out of the ground and move on. Uh, and in fact, the, the folks that run the circus know we don't even have to put the stake in the ground. We could go and work on other things because that elephant is not going anywhere as long as that rope is around its ankle. And it's exactly what happens that they just put the rope around the ankle. It's tied to the end of a, a stake and they just lay the stake on the ground. And that elephant stays there within the length of that rope. And in a lot of ways we're conditioned to do that ourselves. Uh, I know somebody who is pursuing a degree and is maybe two months away from graduation and this person you know is looking for work and can easily start looking for the next job which will will take her out of the restaurant business put her into an office and she'll earn some steady income have a steady schedule and start to build her professional career however she's conditioned herself that and she doesn't realize this but she's conditioned herself that she's not worthy of that office job that she's only good enough for frontline restaurant work and she hates that work it's just it doesn't fulfill her she doesn't like food she just goes because she she knows she'll get hired uh you know working front counter service for a fast food restaurant but then it's frustrated because that work is hard the hours suck the pay sucks and and this person again is right there at the finish line to have that degree in hand to double her income and go into the work that she wants and um I remember we, my wife and I were having dinner with her some time ago and we recognized this pattern in her speech again. And we just said, Hey, can we ask you something? And she was like, yeah, it's like, all right. So you're just one month away from graduating. She said, yes. What's stopping you from putting yourself out there now to get the office job you want or get into the company you want to work with. And maybe it's an entry level job, knowing that you're going to get that degree in a month, knowing that they're going to eventually have the job opening you want for the degree, why don't I get your foot in the door there? Well, you know, they're looking for this. And it was like those excuses came right back in and those were just ingrained in herself. And we're like, okay, how much of that is actually true? And how much of that is the story you're telling yourself? Right. And uh, so she went after the job that she wanted. She got in. Uh, I think she starts next week is what we last heard. And it's like, wow. Uh, and she was about to settle for another counter service type of job that she really right. didn't want and it wasn't going to fulfill her and it was just going to make her feel miserable and instead she let that go and she went after what was right there in front of her like the finish line was right there and this is somebody we've known that's come close on a number of other goals and then stopped at the last minute and went back to that rut by choice it was that conditioning that she had within herself well, I, I think one of the other things that really came alive for me with this particular truth that we are conditioned to stay there is, and I really started thinking through this, from the time I was in school, I mean, it's so Pavlovian, the bell rings, we sit in our seats. If you don't sit in your seat, you're punished. Yeah. 
Then there's a bell ring that says move to your next class. Then there's another bell, bell ring that says move to this class. Then there's another bell ring that says eat lunch. Then there's another bell rings. Every time a bell rings, we're conditioned to go move here, move here, move here, move here, move here. Yeah. And we're conditioned to be in this eight-hour work week, right? Because that's what we do in schools. We conditions, condition uh, children to be in an eight-hour work week because that's the way life was, you know, yeah. back in the 40s, 50s, 60s maybe even 70s, right? But then what we start to realize today, because that was the industrial revolution, but now that we're in a digital revolution, right? And that we work more remotely, we're not in an eight-hour day anymore. Uh -uh. We're, we're in, you know, it's, learning to be an entrepreneur is not taught in school. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> learn, learning, learning to, you know, because when you're not, I, I just read this the other day, um, was you know the beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur is that you get to choose which 80 hours a week you want to work <laughs> <laughs> right and and we don't we don't teach that in school you know we don't we don't teach uh that the fact of the matter is your day is not going to be structured in reality you don't have a structured day and so we teach students structure and we condition them to be in structure but then we send them out to a real world where there is no structure. Yeah. And so here we are, we're conditioned to, to actually stay in a rut. And so what we do is we start to believe that the degree, if we go to college, right, that the degree that I have, I have to do something in that degree, right? That, because that's, that's what I went to school for. So I need to do something with the degree and it's, and it, and it conditions us in the wrong way. And that's, that's frightening because to break free from that is a really tough thing to break through out of. Yeah. Cause it was difficult for me. Yeah. Especially those, I think in, in the creative spaces, you know, the ones that get an English degree, an art degree, and they feel that the only way, like an English degree, for example, that the only way they can express that and utilize that English degree is to be a staff writer somewhere. Right. And, you know, to work in a marketing department for a corporation though, that's being a sellout. And it's like, well, what if you, you did thrive as a corporate marketing professional and then while you're making the money there on the side are working your craft you're writing your book you're writing the articles you want to write and submitting those and and instead i i see folks that they they'll just slug it out in a job they totally hate it's not even a corporate one it's not even like in a field they like and um so they don't find those lateral skills that can transfer over and because of that they just say well you know the, the world just sucks. <laughs> just like, okay, listen, listen, I have, so in, in my wife's real estate company, she has two English majors. One is a doctor of English from Yale that sells real estate. Yeah. They're both successful. They love what they do. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. If they love it and it's rewarding right. them the way they want to be rewarded. Right. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Right, because it's giving them the freedom that they want. They're giving them the lifestyle that they want. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Just because you have a doctorate from Yale in English and you're selling real estate and you like it and yeah. you love the lifestyle it provides you, good for you. By the way, good for you on both counts. Good for you. Well, aren't you wasting your Yale PhD? No. My gosh. If anything, you've just you've just increased your value. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. Can you imagine the analytical skills that realtor has because of the PhD? Like everything has a scientific approach to it. <laughs> I mean, come on. Data says, oh man, this guy has a PhD. This person knows data. <laughs> well, and then, and the other thing is you, you now relate to a different group of people that maybe yeah. somebody without a PhD doesn't. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I, you, you, and you have this whole world available to you that you didn't even know you may have had and you're, you're applying it in a different way. It, it's, and by the way, you're eloquent at how you speak, you're well-read, you know, right? I mean, it's, there's all these benefits that can apply to a variety of jobs. It doesn't have to be real estate. It could be a number of things that can apply to a variety of jobs. Um, I, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take a break here and we're going to come back. We're going to talk uh, with you about where are your ruts in life and the five Fs. You, you, you want to do that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do that. Okay. Listen, you're listening to Jerry Dugan and I here on A New Direction. We're talking about his book, uh, Beyond the Rut, to Create a Life Worth Living in Your Faith, Family, Your Career. You're listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, Epic Physical Therapy, my physical therapist. I think they should be yours too, by the way, because I, I really do love them. Listen, they uh, their facilities offer the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment like the Alter-G Anti-Gravity Treadmill, the Normatec Compression Sleeves, Game Ready, which is my favorite. And that's just a few. They're trained and certified most comprehensive cutting edge treatments available. Things like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping, and that's just a few. When you're ready for your epic relief, your epic recovery, your epic results, whether you're a professional athlete or just an everyday person like me, you know what? Just go to epicpt.com. It's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors, you know, the truth of the matter is for more than 38 years, they've been helping people all over the world transition in life. And you say, well, hold it. how do they help people all over the world? Well, first of all, they're independently owned and operated. They don't are not affiliated with a national company. And what they're able to do is they've been able to create relationships with the best real estate professionals, regardless of the area around the world or in the United States. So when you're ready for your next transition, whether it's buying a home or selling your home, you know what? Go to the experts in transition, go to Linda Craft Team Realtors. That's lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with my friend, Jerry Dugan. And uh, are you enjoying this at all? I'm loving this. Yeah, okay, because yeah. right, I'm having a blast here. I, I don't know about like you. Captain America, I could do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I, we could do a four-hour show and, and do that. I mean, of course, I, I can't. My wife would eventually drag me out and like yeah, say, you got to eat dinner. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. That's what my wife would be doing, too. She would be saying, you know, enough's enough. You need to stop. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about where your, your, your ruts are in life. You call them the five Fs. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first rut that we can have is in faith. So what do you mean that we can have a rut in faith and what do we need to combat that? Yeah. Uh, so the, these five Fs are kind of like five pillars or five circles that are all interconnected in life. So uh, if if you're doing well in all of these, then you're doing well overall. Uh, and if something's going wrong, like if you feel stuck, it'll start to show itself in these areas. So for me as a Christian in my faith walk, uh, it's, what do I do the moment I roll out of bed? You know, it, when things are going fine and I'm being consistent in my faith journey, as soon as I roll out of bed, uh, I spend about five minutes just in silence, you know, uh, in, in prayer, uh, you know, thanking God for the day. Hey, I'm here again. All right. <laughs> my wife's not going to freak out when she wakes up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right, right. He's, not, he's breathing. That's good. Right. He's not been breathing. That's a, that's a positive. <laughs> Man, gosh, how do you know I was in the army? <laughs> Morbid stuff like that. 
<laughs> oh gosh. I'm going to ask her. So no, no, I'm not going to ask her. Um, so yeah, what am I doing in my faith walk? So for me, it's, you know, am I rolling out of bed and spending those five minutes trusting God that he's got the whole day, you know, set for my success and the success of others. Uh, and any challenges I face, he's got the tools in front of me already to help me get through those. So do I trust him enough just to spend five minutes with him first thing in the morning? Uh, and so that's a good sign that I'm doing well in my faith walk. Do I trust him at least with the first five minutes? Um, and then am I, uh, what's the thing I'm trying to say? Uh, it involves a book Bible. <laughs> am I reading oh, oh, that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, mean, oh, oh, you mean that book? Oh, that, 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 okay. That book. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Am, am I deepening my understanding of the Bible, you know, reading through the scriptures, uh, you know, comparing it to, you know, the context of Jesus Christ, uh, you know, maybe there's a study I'm going through that'll help me reinforce those concepts and then really taking it home. Like, okay, what does this lesson really mean for me? You know, if we're talking about, I think the book of James covers like anger <laughs> and anger issues through and through. And, uh, you know, the irony of that, like, you know, coming off, uh, there was a time when I had a, a, a big argument with my father-in-law, um, which I think everybody expected him to be the jerk. Uh, they did not expect me to push back uh, verbally and and be like to match his energy in a sense. Uh, and so it was like, wow. Uh, so I'm reading the book of James at the time and I'm like, this is hitting a little too hard on the nose, but it was like that reflection of my own life. Like where did I, you know, represent Jesus the most? Uh, where did I not? And here's this real world event that I can compare it to. So that's, you know, pursuing a, a good, strong, healthy faith journey. Um, and then if I'm in a rut in that area, it's when I throw all that out the window and just try to do it in my own power and and not look at it in terms of I'm an ambassador to God's kingdom. Now, for somebody who's not a Christian, you know, you, you probably have some higher calling or higher purpose or cause that you're trying to achieve. And so your faith walk may be more of, how true am I being to the message of this movement? If you're talking about equality or equity, uh, do your actions and your words align with that on a regular basis? And, and you know, it's the same for me as a Christian. It's, you know, am I emulating the character of Jesus or am I spouting off something that sounds cool and everybody else is jumping on the bandwagon? Yeah, it's that kind of thing. So that's the faith part of it. Okay, well, the next one is family. Family, yes. Uh, so for me, the most important relationship I have is with God through Jesus Christ. The next most important relationship I have is with my wife, and then the next most important relationship is with my children. And so, you know, we talked earlier about you know nobody on the deathbed says I wish I spent more time at the office. A lot of times they'll say I wish I spent more time with my family. And at a young age, seeing uh, one of my uncles, he had married into the family. Uh, and he passed away after my aunt had. Uh, and I remember we were cleaning out his house because he didn't have a will, um, but he had this house full of stuff and the county was going to come in and take everything anyway. And we had a certain window to get all that stuff out. So we're clearing out that house and there's this young woman standing outside. And I, I just graduated college, uh, but there's this young lady standing outside in front of the house and her eyes are red. She looks like she's cried a little bit, but not a whole lot. And I remember my grandfather walking out there and saying, Hey, like he recognized her and he's like, do you want to come inside and take anything? I mean, this is your dad's stuff. And she said, no, I'm just here for the closure. 
and uh, I'll just be here for a few more minutes and I'll, I'll leave. And thank you so much for doing this. Uh, and I'd never seen her before. And I've known my uncle Gene my whole life, at least until he passed away. And in that entire time, he never mentioned he'd been married before. Didn't mention he had three other kids from a previous marriage. Wow. He had died having zero relationship with these kids. And I saw the impact it had on her alone. And it was obvious the impact on the other two kids because they didn't even bother coming to his funeral. She didn't even come to his funeral. She showed up on the day we were cleaning out his house just to have that sense of closure that, yeah, he was there, but I didn't know him. And I thought, wow, that's not the legacy I want to have. Um, when I was young, uh, my dad, a couple of other uncles all went through a divorce and I saw the impact it had on all of us. And I thought, I don't want to have that on my kids I, I or my grandkids. Like, the better relationship I can have with my wife, uh, serving her as leader, the leader of the home, uh, helping her feel cherished, uh, and having the kids witness that is huge. And anytime we start to get away from that, uh, I want my family to have the, the courage to say something to me about it so we can remedy it. And I think I mentioned earlier, you know, I'd left my job, my previous job, because of the impact it was having on my family. Um, you know, they, my kids, my, my adult kids were reaching out to my wife and asking, hey, is dad okay? Are you and dad okay? Uh, are you going to need a place to live, mom? Because we got we got a spare room. And when my wife shared that with me right before I decided to quit my job, in fact, she was the one who decided first. She's like, quit your job. And I was like, why? And she said, I want my Jerry back. Mm. And the kids want their dad back too. And that's when we talked about the family impact. And as soon as she shared all that with me, zero hesitation. I went back to my home. I didn't have a home office. I just opened up my laptop, typed up a letter of resignation, had that thing ready to go. So in the morning, all I had to do was copy and paste, send. And, and sure enough, next workday, boom, I resigned that morning. I blew everybody away. They, they just did not expect that. But my family knew, like they knew that I was willing to annihilate that job at any given moment if it was going to put a threat on my family relationships. So that's the kind of intensity around family that, that I've got. What about the rut and fitness? Fitness. I'm in that right now. <laughs> so because of the stress at work, it turns out I was stress eating. I love the comfort from carbs and popcorn and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm in Texas, so we got barbecue, we've got Whataburger. Um, and you know, I like to eat. So it just made me feel good after a hard day's work and, you know, without doing any exercise, because I'd get up in the morning and think I had to get ready for work and do things for work before I even went into work. And it was impacting my morning routine. And I was sacrificing physical fitness time to get to work earlier to make the world a better place earlier, I guess, even though it wasn't doing anything different. Um, so for the last few weeks, been looking at my habits, the ones I want to get rid of, the ones that are going to replace the ones I'm getting rid of. And uh, I, I think I mentioned earlier, a friend of mine is working with me to challenge me to walk 30 minutes a day every morning um, and talking me through a couple other fitness things. So we're, we're bringing that back together. And the reason why that's so important, and it's in the middle of the five F's, by the way, uh, because if your physical health is out of whack, uh, chances are there's something else going on in your life. You're, you're avoiding something by going to comfort foods. You're avoiding something by snacking. And uh, when you recognize it's going on, it allows you to start looking in and say, okay, what is going on? Why am I going to food as opposed to this? Um, and then emotional health and mental health as well. You know, it's, you know, that, that whole, well, no, it, it, listen, I'm a fitness freak. I yeah. love workout and, uh, still do. Um, and, uh, 
but here's what I tell people um, about fitness. And it's really easy to get into the rut of not doing it. And fitness works this way. Uh, first of all, it does require some discipline, but it's only discipline until it becomes a habit. Yeah. And so if you can discipline yourself long enough to get, to make it a habit, then you just, you, you, you miss it and you have to do it. You have to do some sort of physical fitness. So, and, and it does, it changes us. It changes, it realigns our uh, neurons in our brain and it, it helps the chemicals that we have between the synap the hundred billion synaptic clefts that we have in our brain. It, it realigns in the, the 5,000 chemicals that go between these hundred billion synaptic clefts in our head. Well, it just, the right chemicals start working right. Everything starts working right just because your body's moving, your blood's moving and everything is happening. We actually get dopamine hits. And so, I mean, there's all sorts of really good things that happen in physical fitness. So, uh, you're so good. Don't neglect yeah. it because it's really, really important. And as we age, um, it becomes even more critical. Um, having watched my dad not take care of himself and, and dying, not take care of himself that, you know, I've seen, I've seen that happen. Uh, number four, cause we're running out of time here. Yeah. Number four, uh, finances, finances, because you know, they say money does not buy you happiness, which I fully believe. Uh, but having money and having a good handle of your money, uh, does make life a little bit easier. And, uh, and it's, fourth on the list because a lot of us especially men pursue that as if it's number one you got to have money to have all these things and it's fourth on the list to remind us no the money serves those first three items right. it serves your faith it serves your family it serves your fitness uh that's why it's there uh you know for me i gave up a six-figure income because my family relationships were much more important um does that mean I take a hit? Yes. <laughs> Am I willing to? Every single time. Uh, now, yeah, find ways to earn it back and, you know, cover things like roof over the head, uh, food at the table, those kinds of things. So, yeah, fitness is there because it helps you plan for the future. You can take vacations when you want to take them. Um, you can get the things that your family needs without worrying about how you're going to cover the costs. Uh, so having a good budget, being aware of your budget, sticking to the budget being able to say no to things all come together for your finance health. Okay. In 30 seconds, because we're, we're about, we're about done with our hour, believe it or not. Uh, future. Yes. The so the future is last on the list, but it's the thing driving everything forward. So you have that life beyond the rut. So what are you doing to grow every day uh, in your skills professionally, uh, in your skills as in your relationships, all those things. So how are you growing and becoming a better version of yourself than you were yesterday? You've been awesome. Tell people how they get a hold of you. All right. Go to my website, beyondtherut.com, and everything you need to know on social media, uh, speaking engagements, the podcast, blog posts, book, all of it's there. Stay with me, Jerry. You know what, folks? That's the show, right? Oh, awesome. You know what? I say you see every week, right? There's three things you're in control of, your attitude, your effort, and your resiliency. I know your circumstances can be tough, but you can control those three things. You are in control of your attitude, regardless of what happens to you. You can be as excellent as you want to be any given moment of any given day, regardless of what happens to you. And yes, we all do get hit in the mouth and we get knocked down, but you make the choice to get back up again. Take control of those things now. I'll be back next week. It's going to be another great guest, another great book. It's going to be another great show. As they say to you all over the world, listen, you had many choices. You chose us. Thank you. Give us a positive review. Tell your friends, as I say to you everywhere, ciao. Strength to go a different way, yeah.
Machines will take you places you have never 